Bunny do a show on top of a golf gas station in the middle of Puerto Rico. It was like the most badass thing I think I've seen in a very long time. I was very happy to wake up on January 2nd to see that. Yeah, no, I mean, A, I love that, uh, you know, he was distributing toys for his Good Bunny Foundation. Uh- <laughs> Is that real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave out like two hundred fifty thousand toys. I don't know how like loose he is with his like money, but I I read um I read something about how like little Nas X gave five hundred dollars to like the kid that like started the like old town road trend on TikTok that like supposedly changed little Nas X's career. And I was sitting there thinking no, wait, I was like supposedly like yeah, full but stop did. I think the supposedly is like was it the kid that did it or was it just like strategic marketing which we can talk about but i was just like 500 bucks really that's it i feel like he could have thrown that guy a little a few more a few more dollars it was not he could have threw a full g you mean like minimum yeah i think that sending that kid 500 bucks was i also don't know when in little Nas x's career like, you know, was it like a month after when he was still unsigned? You could throw that kid a little bit more money. I mean, look, real talk, that kid deserves some sort of points, which, I mean, we will talk about this later. Does he? But like, That's interesting. That's an interesting, one, okay. I mean, if you're distributing, if you're distributing creativity, like, yeah, that, that kid's creativity Did, was a critical part of, 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 of old town road yeah for sure okay okay well welcome to another episode of money for nothing the podcast about music and capitalism i'm saxon baird with sam becker as always actually we are talking about tiktok today we're uh tiktoking yeah we do i guess we did a show probably late 2021 and on tiktok we had the great cat zang on and we and we thought it'd be a good idea to maybe peek under the hood of tiktok again and see See how it's going. Uh, the New Yorker recently published a lengthy article on TikTok and the music industry. Our good friend David Turner at Penny Fractions just wrote a great newsletter about some problems with the app. And uh, also this weekend, when you were celebrating New Year's, uh, a little news item came across that conservative members of the U.S. government are yet still trying to ban it completely. And in fact, this past weekend, um, I guess it became uh, illegal for government employees to have or use the app or something like that. I didn't really read it that that deeply. But um yeah, so we figured like yeah, let's do a check-in and see and uh and talk about some things that are going on. So I think a good place to start is with what David Turner wrote in his last Penny Fractions newsletter, which is basically the music industry is becoming a bit disenchanted with TikTok. And uh, for a number of reasons. Uh Turner wrote recently that quote, there's been a noticeable shift in the way the music business talks about TikTok. One major label executive with experience running campaigns on the platform recently amused the colleagues that he thought it was dead for breaking new songs, while another called it not workable. So maybe one reason for this discontent is that you know maybe the major labels uh, jumped the gun a little bit, handing out big deals to artists on TikTok that went viral for really nothing to come from it. Um, but more importantly, I think it's something that Turner also writes in his latest newsletter, which is that TikTok, so far at least, is not producing a musical fan a music is not producing a music fandom capable to the traditional industry. So let's start there. Let's like let's extrapolate it out a bit. Like what what do you what does like Turner mean when he writes that? What do you think, Sam? So I I think what 
he's writing about and what we've been seeing from from where I'm standing at least is like kind of the maturation of the relationship between the music industry, which provides TikTok with I mean, look, there's a lot of non music TikTok, but there's a lot I mean, its origins are from a lip syncing app and music has been a driver for for many of the major trends and many uh, of of its like most iconic moments. So it's got it's got a a really you know a deeper tie to the music industry than I mean you could imagine a TikTok that was tied more closely to like Hollywood where it's just you know tens of thousands of like clips from like movies or TV shows that everyone's lip lip syncing to, but it's got this organic or like trailers or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But it's got this organic tie to the music industry, right? And I I think that at least initially when TikTok was a little bit smaller and a little bit like easier to corral, maybe from the music industry, there was a sense that this could be an organizable tool for for breaking new artists, for breaking, making hits, for finding hits, right? That there was a, a, le- a level of predictability and a level of, you know, like I said, potential control where um, th- that could make it really useful as a... Um, as a social media platform, like a social media platform, because if you think about it, it's funny with music, actually, while music was the internet's original killer app, and while obviously, like, it was the first industry to to really be remade by the digital revolution in many ways, music's been relatively absent on pretty much all the social media platforms previously, right? Like... There's, there were attempts to make, like... I mean, MySpace, you could have songs and stuff. Um, and clearly... I mean, if you had, like, a band page. If you had a band no, page. No, no, no. Even if you didn't have a band page. Even if you didn't, like, you could put, like, links to songs on your on your homepage on MySpace. For sure. No, no. for Yeah, for sure. Like, links. I think you could put, like... I think at one point in MySpace, I think... You could put you a could recording. have, like, a, prof, a, pro, a, a single profile song, maybe? Yeah, that yeah, you can, yeah. Like, I mean, you can like interchange. Yeah, but there was yeah, well, my, whatever. My, my point just being like, yeah, intricacies of like my fading memories of MySpace apart. Um, no, but like my, my point just being that like music was an integral part of the MySpace experience. Um, in, yeah. in part of the kind of like intangible aesthetics of that site, which also like when it was like around, right? You know, like 2004, 2005, 2006, there was like a very like hot topic y vibe to that whole experience, at least for me. Um, like a lot of dark formatted <laughs> pages. <laughs> and music was a big part of that. But since then, like, and it's this funny thing, you know, wh- where wherever we memory hold, like all the different iterations of websites, you know? Like that, that weird thing where like you look at a picture of Facebook from 2009 or whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, I spent a lot of time on that website that actually looks nothing like the website that is today. Um, similar for Twitter, yeah, or like anything today. Yeah, the, the the thing I always I always repeat is like there was like no apps before like two thousand like eight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There were there were no smartphones, right? Exactly. It was so browser like, only. Baby. So like yeah, like so yeah. MySpace looked very different than what TikTok looks like. <laughs> sure. No, no. But but my my point is being with all of this, right? Is that if you think about the major social media platforms up until fairly recently. They all were, music was kind of absent on all of them in this crazy way, 
it's not big on Twitter. It's not big on Facebook. It's not really big on Instagram. Um, that's been changing more. Both of those, Facebook, um, and, you know, uh, Instagram, and um, yeah, but it's just copying TikTok. It's just seeing what TikTok is doing and being like, oh, we should make reels and like an opt for you music mean with yeah. reels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, music is around on YouTube. YouTube is kind of a social media platform. I would argue it's a little bit different. Clearly, music has been huge for YouTube, but. Yeah, it just this is kind of the first semi social media platform. And it, is TikTok a social media platform is another question. But like, I, I would argue that 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 it's a kind of game changer to have music at the center of an app with such a, like enormous, enormous appeal. And it's really difficult at this point to overstate how big TikTok is. I read that like, and I always take these numbers with like a huge grain of salt that like the average user uses it for like, 90 minutes a day which is sam do you use it for 90 minutes a day i do not lie i do not but i would that stuff like yeah i mean listen listen 2023 more phone use more social media more ai that that's what i'm going messier brains forget messier messier brains brains. yeah messier brains no i'm not really yeah yeah exactly i don't really you know all this all like oh you know i need to like temper my my digital like exposure no no no. more digital exposure what you're saying let's, is let's 2023 just, decentering accelerate cluttering decentering cluttering, cluttering. Yeah. actually <laughs> accelerating singularity let's accelerate it yeah okay anyway yeah, yeah no yeah. i like so that I'm, I like you go like we're embracing yeah. the angel of history like <laughs> yeah yes exactly i'm actually i'm actually like yeah i'm actually my goal like you know people have like i want to read like 30 books a year or something my goal is actually 90 minutes of tiktok a day zero books that's 90 that's my minutes goal. of tiktok a day zero books 90 minutes of TikTok. Um, and hopefully by December, reaching nearly 180. Actually, like a full, a full, like a really long movie, but just my brain on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, as we'll you're check saying, in. We'll check in with Saxon uh, at the end of the year. <laughs> see how he's done on this journey. <laughs> no movies, no books. TikTok only. Okay. Sorry. No, but like, continue. <laughs> like joking aside, totally joking. 90 minutes a day is. That's a ch- for, for you know a lot of this is you know it's most popular among Gen Z but like and and whatever the high school kids you know middle school high school kids who are who are behind Gen Z I don't even know if we have a name for that generation yet the high schoolers are Gen Z because Gen Z are like solidly in college in, solidly in college and like about to graduate high school it's a huge consumer market that's in some ways like the major target market for for mass culture right and ninety minutes a day that's a that's a chunk out of TV right. That's a that's a major redistribution of, of time. That's huge. And so, you know, TikTok in some ways, uh, I mean, I've read some reporting where like, you know, in a moment when digital revenue for advertising is down across the board, partially because of new privacy uh, settings that are like, you know, like Apple absolutely kneecapping Facebook and the most brutal act of just like, corporate like kicking another corporation in the face that i think i've ever seen but just generally decline digital advertising tighter economy and like tiktok just emerging as like this massive um new player that's pulling revenue away from everyone else so all of that right means that tiktok is increasingly powerful vis-a-vis the music industry um, but also that as it gets bigger, as it's achieved this size, it's also become kind of unwieldy is what the reporting is. And, and it's really funny because, um, and we'll get to this more later, is like because 
everyone's experience in this app is different. And because its algorithm is extremely proprietary, um, and because let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade here, like I think general journalistic understanding of like how algorithms function or machine learning in general is like pretty limited. So there's like not that many people have the tools to like really analyze how these like culture generating systems are operating. It's really all the reporting on this is like really everyone being like, it feels like I've noticed, like I myself anecdotally have noticed that. And then like X, Y, Z. And so there's this very, yeah, that's such a great point. It's like a lot of execs being like, like I can't make anything viral anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, like, it's like it must have changed and it's like okay or may, maybe not like i don't know like you don't understand how machine learning ai works you know which of course okay i understand it's like but, yeah. very like it feels like very like folk tales it's like if you sacrifice an, an unblemished white goat under the full moon in the digital forest then and then you're like well it worked for my neighbor so like and it worked for halsey so like <laughs> why is it working for um, me but yeah why isn't it working for me um which is no, actually but, like a but, real but, question though <laughs> like, it, like it does seem pretty random like what is what does catch on but anyways that's <laughs> neither here nor there necessarily yeah no but but my, my, my point just being that um uh there is a sense anecdotal or not like backed by data or not that and this this sense has been on, I would say, through most of 2022, actually, um, was that where TikTok before was this like, uh, like fast moving river that could catapult a song, like you know, um, good for you or driver's license or something into into the mainstream, right? That there was like a central a central channel that was incredibly effective at pushing new content. I think there's a sense that it's kind of like f- a flood a floodplain right now, right? It's like it's big and slow moving or like a river delta almost. It's big, <laughs> it's slow moving, it's not clear what channel goes to what channel. It's not clear how the whole thing operates and it's not things aren't blowing up in huge major ways the way that the is useful for the music industry. Yeah, so the so music the, industry yeah. wants. It's is... frustrating, right? Because they see there's all these users. They want virality. They want to be able to like grab a hold of it and like twist it to their like advantage and like so they can make money and like blow up an artist and like use it as a marketing tool. But they're like they don't know how to do that because I mean for a lot of different reasons. But maybe for the reasons you're saying, how uh, what'd you say? It's become like a floodplain, but also because like it's kind of the algorithm is this kind of mysterious Oz behind the curtain kind yeah, of thing. And, and and I think that the thing is that like, they'd be fine with it being an Oz behind the curtain if it was producing the kinds of mega stars that the industry is really based around, right? Like the music industry as it's currently constituted, we all know is not based around nurturing the career of, 10,000 small creators with small followings. You could imagine a music industry that was trying to do that. And like maybe, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like TikTok has been making some moves towards kind of becoming, 
a label-like force of its own. Similar with similarly with some of these like uh, more or less independent distribution companies like DistroKid or TuneCore, where basically they're they're trying to like allow artists to keep a hold of their of their rights and they take a cut in in exchange for ushering ushering these musicians onto all the various uh, you know distribution platforms for music and like you could imagine a vision of 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 a of an arts company that basically you know it's like Etsy for music where they're trying to let ten thousand people make a little bit of money. I'm not sure if that would work for pop music because of the kind of like desire to sh- have a shared cultural experience or shared cultural moment. But all that aside, that's not what the major labels are, right? The major labels like having yeah well, a couple of stars that sell a bajillion records, um, and that kind of usually pay for the rest because that those stars can 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 have longevity they can they give a predictability to the an industry that's otherwise like feast or famine you know like it's really nice that you know that every time Beyonce releases a record you're going to make xyz roughly amount of money because otherwise you're like I don't know you know in really unpredictable moments, and this is kind of in, in the past the music industry, you'd have like the conflict between the major labels and, you know, a big record comes out and that's a significant chunk of how much money they made that year. Um, it's actually like annoying to have a business that fluctuates that much. And so having superstars where you're like, well, yeah. every time Beyonce releases an album, we're going to get XYZ money is like incredibly, incredibly useful. Yeah. I mean, it also seems like some of the complaints are coming out of kind of the fact that yeah like you said like the major labels don't really you know they got like a firm grasp on like so many other musical touch points you know when it comes to like earning money knowing how to use it knowing how to like you know manipulate it in ways to like promote whatever they want to promote and with tiktok it's like tiktok's not really if i understand correctly sam it's not really playing the major labels game that's also kind of so that's also kind of the issue like with like the frustrations coming out of the major labels but it's like really complicated right because now like bloomberg is just reporting that the major labels are basically asking tiktok to like give up a little bit more of the money in which they're earning in royalties like to to them and their artists because like there's still no like set royalty structure or anything like that right so 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 kind of back to these kind of close off the frustrations it's that now that tiktok kind of this increasingly large increasingly amorphous thing where sometimes songs hits but they're not hitting with the regularity it seems like the music industry is going to kind of back to the original plan which has been i think um and david uh in the penny fractions writes about this kind of the plan about for the music companies since 2008 2009 2010 when they first started to finally like regain their corporate organizational footing um, after the Napster kind of debacle, um, if not actually how much money they were making, has been to kind of strike easy licensing deals with new with new music slash tech companies, right? Like tech companies using music over fairly short time horizons. So I think most of the deals with TikTok are around two years long. So like not no longer like choking the babies in the cradle, but kind of like more skin like saying once your child, you know, once you have the baby, your first child is mine. And just 
kind of letting these companies grow and then being like, well, you owe us, or if you don't give us a new deal, you'll owe us a bunch of money. And that seems like that's probably the next move. But then you get in this interesting situation. In some ways, it's akin to the situation. Which is TikTok doesn't have any money. Well, <laughs> it's kind of right. TikTok has a lot. It's clearly incredibly valuable. Like you were saying earlier, facing some what you might call like regulatory uncertainty. And, and the whole like, is it just sucking vast amounts of information? Like that seems like an open question to me. I have no idea. Zero idea. Like, it seems... I mean, I would say yes. I mean, that's what all these apps and companies do. Like, yeah, but... Is there any doubt? <laughs> I, but, like, what can they? Do? What are they doing with it, I guess? I don't know. And where? And where is it being held? Like, I don't know if it's a national security threat. Like, that's so far outside of my bailiwick. But the fact that in a moment where the Biden administration has very much continued the um the trump administration's kind of uh hard line against china and in fact accelerated it with kind of some of the the embargoes of um like very high-tech chips uh it's totally possible that you could you could get it pulled from the u.s market i think that's possible especially given like the number of choke points where you just need it off the Apple store, right? Like there's, there's one market, right? It's not like, it's not like trying to ban, I don't know, like those like hoverboards, which they tried to do for a second because they kept blowing up. Like you can't import TikTok from a bunch of different places. Like you have to download it on your phone. Um, so like, so there's that regulatory uncertainty. Um, there's the general decline in ad revenue. There's a sense that, and then David was, uh, again, everyone should check out the, the most recent edition of Penny Fractions. Um, David points out that, like, TikTok is very much, it's very easy to talk about companies in these, like, monolithic, mythical ways, right? Like, TikTok is, like, destroying the music industry or remaking music or blah, blah, blah. But it's also, like, a company As the of New Yorker people. recently did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's also a company of people. And I do think that, like, they're like the algorithm. And it's like the algorithm, a complicated system made by a series of engineers in an actual set of places. Um, TikTok, a company that can both have an incredibly good product and be wildly overpaying its staff. Not And, and so, you know, both pulling in a vast amount of money and losing money simultaneously. So... Right. So you've got like regulatory uncertainty. You've got both clearly them an incredibly successful product among an incredibly influential set of consumers losing money. And then you've got this like kind of crazy showdown that seems to be brewing with the music industry about. And, and this is kind of my take on uh, on like this music industry strategy of partnering with tech companies until they get big enough to make a really to make more money and then really kind of turning the, the screws, giving them the squeeze. That worked yeah. with Spotify really well, right? Um, Spotify, which is, as we've mentioned a number of times, now an audio company. But, like, how's that going for you, Elk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and similarly, uh, 
but like so, so you have a similar situation seemingly kind of brewing with TikTok, where all of a sudden you get this point where, and it's in some ways it's a dangerous game the music industry is playing, right? Because you have to let them, the other company, get strong enough to really make cash flow. And then you move in. Well, so let me ask you this. And who though, knows? Like, like, who's going to win? Who's bigger at this point? Uh, well, like, let me go ahead and ask you this question. Like, I mean, is there a world where, like, TikTok can still function the way it does and not have access to the musical catalog of the major labels? Let's say, like, signs a deal with, like, Merlin no. or something. No, you don't think so. You think, you think like, having access to, like, that no, legacy, like, so. catalog is, like, important? Ab- absolutely. And... It's because how how does that work with like MIDI MIDI karaoke? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> look, look, look. Who, if any of our listeners understands like the the, the economics of the karaoke industry, <laughs> I will do. I will drop a three part series <laughs> so fast it will make your head spin. I want to know what Superfly is. I want to know how Superfly Corporation functions. I want to know where the videos come from. I want to know the song technology. <sighs> Facts, like facts, coming to you in 2023. Hopefully, let's do that. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so no, no, I don't think that they could. And so there's a lot of talk about, like I mentioned earlier, TikTok making moves. And and I would say in some ways it's similar to the way that Spotify made moves to become an audio company, which is that if you can kind of like TikTok makes moves to to become a, a, a something like a record company or to have artists releasing music directly on tiktok and they've made some hires in this area um and like they're kind of gesturing towards it and you could argue like maybe that there's a future there or maybe that they're just trying to like uh increase their their leverage their bargaining position with the major labels i really struggle to see how you could have tiktok as it currently is without major label music because i i do think that it's kind of a version of the network effect right which is i think that the way music listeners consume now is based on the assumption of like complete catalog accessibility right and so i really do think that Anything that has less than that, especially if it's substantively less than that, starts to have a major disadvantage, not necessarily in everyday usage, but like, you know, um, the next, oh, I don't know. I assume that like TikTok wants to be able to have people make memes about Antihero, the, the, the standout like hit from the most recent Taylor album, right? And if TikTok couldn't, if users wanted to make uh, memes about a part of their musical cultural experience and were unable to on TikTok, it would decrease the value of TikTok. And so while it's fine to have a lot of indie stuff or a lot of less, you know, like directly released stuff, replacing the late majors isn't going to work because you still need to have that indie viral hit next to the top 10 song in the country or or um, or you know to just to, which usually is going to be a major label release 
or just to kind of take what you're saying and uh, kind of also answer my own question tiktok isn't simply about the music like there's like so many different types of music and that what i say that is that like there's plenty of people out there just making funny videos or like whatever random hole of tiktok that you fall into like and they they want they need a they need a hit they need a song they need like something that's recognizable yeah yeah so it's like it's not even necessarily like about like the the sub culture of like music tiktok it's just that like tiktok's also so many other things and those people are definitely going to want the catalog for sure yeah and so i do think again that that like that ip that like storehouse of cultural value that the labels are sitting on um is just such a tremendous advantage for them um in all of these negotiations which then lets them yet again (laughs) yeah lets them leverage stuff and and lets them leverage stuff in in all sorts of ways you want to hear a conspiracy theory yeah let's hear a conspiracy theory so Wednesday, right? The the Adams Family TV show. There's like an okay. iconic, now quickly deemed iconic dance sequence that's been all over everywhere. Um, and I don't know, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the dance. I've seen TikToks of the dance, and then TikToks of people doing the dance during your ninety minutes every day. During my during my daily ninety minutes, yes. Um, and in the show. The dance is to a Cramps song. Hell yeah. And everyone was like, are the Cramps going to have a Kate Bush moment? And the answer is absolutely not. (laughs) Because what happened was really quickly, in a kind of crazy way, TikTok subbed in, literally over the footage, subbed in a remixed Lady Gaga song. Wait, like, so like there's always, what do you mean TikTok? Like, not like the company, like people on TikTok? People like so, on TikTok. Somebody did it and then it so, went viral with like Lady Gaga. It went viral with a different song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first they have like the dance in the show soundtracked by this Lady Gaga song. And then everyone does the dance. It's actually fascinating. Like there are all these moves in the actual dance in the show, but TikTok, like, I, it was cool because I got to watch it over a period of, like, a week, a week and a half, like, slowly distilled this, like, fairly long and complicated dance into, like, five moves you do one after each other so that you can do the whole dance in 15 seconds. Language researchers figure out what's going on there. Um, but also that it was totally replaced by a Lady Gaga song. And I would bet... I would bet that the fact that it was Lady Gaga was not like, you know, major label star extraordinaire can't have been a coincidence. Like the total. Are you trying to are you trying to tell me are you trying to tell me that there's a possibility that someone made a call on the major label and was like, hey, you know what? Instead of uh, the cramps. What about this Lady Gaga song? Or maybe there was like some sort of conversation going on. Are you telling me they didn't want the amazing the amazing work of Lux Interior and Poison Ivy like spread out all over the internet? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. And they want Lady Gaga? I'm annoyed. <laughs> um, I'm just really annoyed because I would love... So this is interesting because if somebody was to tell me before the Kate Bush went viral, like whether or not I would love Kate Bush to go viral, I think I would say yes. Um, and so I'm saying that now in the sense that I'm, I, you know, I would love if like the entirety of the world suddenly knew who the cramps were and they had like a, 
a top 10 hit suddenly somehow um so like i'm really annoyed but then again maybe my elitist assholeness would uh would come out and i would be annoyed to hear the cramps in walmart <laughs> yeah dude i'm sorry I, I i hate to like begin the new year by uh believing like the worst of people but i feel pretty confident that you would have been annoyed yeah well it's true no, i don't know i think sorry i just think I, I think you i mean look you'd love to see the cramps get their money that, i mean right? that's really that's Hard really the to. thing yeah that's the really thing well um i think i think that's interesting i think that's also i think that's an interesting point though uh, not about me being an elitist asshole. Um, everybody knows that already. But um, yeah, about maybe there being some uh, you scratch my back, we scratch yours kind of situation going on in that. And definitely something I think we should keep an eye out for. See if that see if that happens again. I turn into a teenage goo goo muck. Cruise through the city and I roam the streets. Looking for something that is nice to eat. You'd better duck when I show up. The goo goo muck. I'm the nighthead home. Well, I, I think though that like the tricky thing about all of this is how incredibly opaque it is right right we just don't know right we just exactly. don't we just don't know and and it was crazy in doing research about this it was crazy to read like anr folks and like you know label execs talking about like oh i found this you know on the for you page like oh i found this you know via tick you know on kind of like like uh, the user interface of tiktok um and i'm sure that there's more complicated forms of analysis out there but it it did sometimes feel like this very one-sided type of relationship to the types of um algorithms and the types of machine learning that are driving tiktok as a social phenomenon and like and, and it's i think it's, it's crucial to point to like to that as maybe like the governing difference of tiktok versus most not all but most previous musical um interfaces i guess is a weird way to to, to gesture towards like the, the complex technological and social systems that define musical listening right like that chain it's, it's a fundamental difference between that and radio between that and record stores between that and spotify even which does do some stuff you know like these uh customized playlists but also has a lot of kind of um you know playlists that everyone listens to and that's the sense that the reason that tiktok um is is so successful as far as i can tell at the basic level besides the kind of social formation that's grown up around it is because the videos are really short it has a ton of data touch points and so i read some some um stuff where like if you think about someone watching a five minute youtube video and how many pieces of information youtube gets right versus 
someone watching TikTok for five minutes and how many pieces of information TikTok gets from that. And TikTok gets like, you've seen nine videos, you scrolled past two of them really quickly because they didn't like it. You watched one of them three times, you watched one of them two times. And meanwhile, there's this whole big middle of the YouTube video where they don't know what you're doing, you're just watching it. And so it's this incredibly rich data environment. And then it's able to be, because of the, the structure of the For You page, which is kind of auto-filled, it's really customized for each individual viewer, which means that the algorithm is really, really driving this. Um, driving YouTube too, but I think like the, the individual user experience with it is, even, is, is really heightened here. And that makes it kind of different. And it makes it, I think, that in as it's currently constituted, there's a kind of, um, I would call it like a machine learning inequality, right? That the company has machine learning. Maybe some data analytics firms do. I'm sure they do. But like the average user, and it seems from some of the reporting, like even like the average like industry AR user kind of has to deal with these these structures of machine learning through a set of um, kind of like front-end interfaces, basically, right? Like has to go in through the front door like everyone else, doesn't have access to more stuff. And there's a question of like, how is that going to change <laughs> for everyone, um, for musicians, for for musicians, for labels, for things like TikTok, when that is increasingly not true, when there's more access to various kinds of machine learning across the wide spectrum, which is what I think we're going to talk about a little bit for the rest of this show. AI and the coming apocalypse of AI-generated music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my uh, writing in um, my favorite music business worldwide, Michael Hoop, Hoop uh, president and CEO of Sound Exchange, uh, wrote that quote: "In the not too distant future, when a new recording artist seizes the spotlight with hit songs, a huge social media following, and sold-out venues, it won't be a human being. It will be performing. It will be a performer whose lyrics, melodies, and voice are solely created by artificial intelligence." We're already seeing hints of this with virtual artists such as metaverse avatars, hybrid performers that rely on a combination of AI and human talent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not just about like what's being served to us, but also about uh, the actual creation of AI music as well. Yeah. And that I think is like gonna happen. Like no no question. That sucks. It's <laughs> well. Like, okay, let's be real. Okay, on a basic level, on a basic level, I mean, maybe it doesn't suck. No, but like on a basic level, like I know, like I, I this is gonna be like really like uh, contrary in here, but like on a basic level, like AI is kind of dope. You like humans? Yeah. No, I do like humans. It's true that too. But no, like AI is like kind of dope. Like I'm not gonna snob out here and fight for hours spent in a record store online flipping through records I've never heard of to discover new music. Like. If AI can, in theory, I guess, like, send me towards some cool shit, some new music, like, I'm for it, right? And then, and that could also, like, simultaneously help a record store, like, help an artist, right? But AI-generated music, like, that's 
I don't know that that definitely makes me feel a little bit weird. Can, I, I mean, I don't know what you where you want to go with this, but like, can I just mention this article? <laughs> yeah, it was actually an op-ed in Music Business Worldwide that you sent me. Can you can I can I, can I about fruits mu- fruits music? Should we should we go there? Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so go there. Go I think there. like late November. Yeah, late November on Music Business Worldwide, uh, a guy named Steph Van Vucht. It's from the Netherlands, and he owns a company called Fruits Music, which uh, describes itself as uh, home to playlist brands such as Dance Fruits and Lo-Fi Fruits and is represented by famous melon brand identity. Anyways, I know none of that makes any fucking sense, but essentially it's like a music company. Well, a playlist brand would be like producing music for playlists. Right. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Yes. But like as far as I'm aware, like as far as I can understand, like this company is basically like going full throttle like into AI generated music as they see it as the future, as this guy was writing, the the head of, of Fruits Music, Van Fucht, or however you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh like writing in this op ed he goes, uh he's just like Basically, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll quote, it goes, next year, Fruits Music will embark on a journey that we'll sincerely believe we will see, that we sincerely believe will see us grow into one of the largest music companies ever created. Okay, that's ambitious. First, our aim is to become the fourth largest recorded music rights company in the world. Once that's accomplished, we'll aim to dethrone the three major music companies. Here are just a handful of the things that we'll be focused on in 2023. Developing our artist and brand Melon into the world's largest masked streaming and eventually virtual touring artist, creating and releasing the biggest and most successful dance album in history, reimagining the cover album market of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, but in the context of digital streaming, putting together a world-class team and a bunch of other stuff that's kind of uninteresting. But those first four, I'm like, holy shit, like what? And so he goes on to say, um, we've already started this journey with the internal launch of, quote, Everywhere AI, Fruits Music's, Fruits Music's proprietary SASS marketing tech. We've developed Everywhere AI over the past two years and continues to evolve, get smarter by the day, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, like, heavy doctor, this heavy doctor evil ambition. vibes from this press release. <laughs> like, like holy shit yeah yeah which basically really was is what it was was basically a press release i mean it was like called an op-ed but it was basically like just an advertisement for this fruits music and i'm like (laughs) i'm like whoa 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 how is this like so under the radar like i mean probably because everybody's probably laughing and being like okay like you know this isn't gonna happen but yeah already i was like i was like i was uh i was i was curious so like i like melon Right, so they take kind of the, the brand identity melon. So like melon is like their version of um, it's like their version of like gorillas, I guess. Yeah. Except except it's I'm pretty sh- yeah. Except I'm pretty sure it's like it it's just all the music is just AI generated. Yep. And like yeah, and so like melon already has a. Uh, 40 i mean i don't i actually i honestly don't know what these numbers really mean anymore when it comes to spotify but just for context like it does have a cover of the song blue uh that has like 44 million plays like a dance remix of it wait that has a like cover 40. of the song blue by eiffel 65 yeah it's the great blue by eiffel 65 which is easily my my favorite one hit wonder 
<laughs> but it's like because because there's this thing where he's like 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 the that you know like I said number three was reimagining the covers album market of the 60s 70s 80s and 90s but in the context of digital streaming which I'm like unsure like what that means <laughs> but I think like making covers cover records but that are like making covers that are AI generated but like a dance remix of it and I'm like good god this guy is li- this 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 guy wants to ruin music dude actually. i mean here's the thing <laughs> if you did like a belt like like a, how are people not writing like a netherlands that? trance style like one of those like 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 what do you call those it's like you know those like big room trance records like with the huge synths um yeah sure and you did just like <laughs> used ai to make like a cover of a variety of songs, hit songs from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, I think I think that it's not the worst plan I've ever heard. <laughs> like, like I think uh, it would work. Uh, yeah, I mean, honest, honestly, yeah. I think it would work. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, I don't, like, I mean, we'll definitely, I'll definitely be checking in on this guy. And, like, if he starts making headlines, I'll be like... Money for nothing new. Well, I mean, it, it is, <laughs> but 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 yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> but yeah, heavy heavy Doctor Evil vibes, like kind of like the worst, like like shockingly like horrific, like like it's, uh, in it's so this. human. It's so but human to also, be like we've developed some of the most amazing, <laughs> like this new the new kinds of AI and like. Um, I'm using it as kind of just a blanket term. It's like large machine learning models. It's really, truly incredible. Um, like the advances that have been made in the past like half decade is my understanding is, is that um, a lot of the underlying technologies for these really large machine learning models that have uh, behind stuff like ChatGPT are like the approach to them was first proposed in a uh like a an article in 2017 um like a like a published scientific paper not like a like a article article um yeah so like this technology is astonishing and i just like in the most kurt vonnegut way possible i love that we're like we've invented something that could truly like change the world in any way possible and we're like the first thing we're gonna do is make belgian hard style covers <laughs> of please mr postman <laughs> forever oh <laughs> uh, yeah i can't i can't first wait human, for like off the hip we're like great <laughs> great this is what we could do with it we've been waiting for so long <laughs> we could take the humans Listen. out of that equation <laughs> If you've been waiting for a 180 BPM version dance remix of Obla Di Ba Da by fucking the Beatles, <laughs> we got it for you. <laughs> we can make an AI that can make a 180 BPM cover of Obla Di Obla Da in every single style of trance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he, but I guess the thing is, it's like We're actually still working though, on Tech House. <laughs> yeah. But this shit's expensive, right? Like it's like <laughs> it's like that this might actually not work because it's fucking expensive, right? Or something? I don't know. <laughs> like So like how do we stop how do we stop the coming apocalypse? Like how does this how does this uh how does, we this, don't. How does this happen? We don't. Well, and I, like, that of course not next. Yeah. I'm I'm not I think it's really important to remember in this moment that 
technology is never just the thing, right? It's like the thing and the social relations around it. And so how this rollout of these new technologies occurs and how they're instantiated is like, is very much up to us, right? Up to people. But yeah, great point. Yeah. I do think that especially coming hot on the heels of <laughs> all things crypto and Web3, that like a lot of folks I know, I feel like are very, they've heard a lot of total bullshit about new technologies that are about to fundamentally change the game. And these new machine learning technologies, it's more like there are some companies that have them and they haven't even begun to figure out the wide variety of things that you could use them for. That like actually the limits of their utility is our imagination in applying them to stuff in many ways. For instance, this company <laughs> is applying them to the covers markets of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But like... I guess my point is being is, is that this this is and again I could be totally wrong here but like unfortunately I don't think I am um is that I think this is real I think this is real in a way that a lot of a lot of promised things have not been um and that this is going to change the way a lot of music gets made I think it's going to way the change change the way a lot of things get done and I think it's worthwhile to think about how to, to try to take that step back and think about how this gets played out, not in the most immediate sense, which is like some companies have them, but think about like how this could change things five, eight years down the line. You actually, legally, you can't think about AI more than eight years in the future because that's when the singularity happens <laughs> and then all bets are off. But up to around eight years, <laughs> you're safe. Um yeah, I mean, I would say also, like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, like, let's be real. Like, this guy is a CEO. He's trying to get funding, seed funding. He's, you know, taking a card uh, from Elon Musk and, you know, probably spouting a lot of, like, really ambitious bullshit in which they won't achieve. But, like you said, this is happening. And, yeah, I think I think that it's not all it probably won't be like all horrible and terrible. Like, I'm, you know, just off the top of my head, I was just thinking like in the studio, there's probably a numerous ways in which you could probably streamline, you know, trying to get a certain sound or trying to like, you know, do some like edits on a track that, you know, with machine learning could happen like a lot quicker and cost us money. But yeah, like it, but like, yeah, it, it's good. It's good to say that. Like, yeah. This is guy, this guy's like, obviously just trying to promote this stuff, but then simultaneously, like, yeah, like you really do think AI is coming. But which is like interesting because I want to, you know, maybe if I just yeah, think and, back and I, about so that. I, I mean, like, that... do, you, do you think it, but like, I, you know, I, I've kind of made the joke about like it being expensive, but like actually legitimately, like, you know, like with the era of like kind of like free money flowing into any, any kind of tech company or any to the hands of anybody who has like some wild idea, like kind of coming to an end, you know, sure. Okay. You know, AI and its role in music, it's here, it's coming for sure. Okay. But like, you know, how much. You know, because of that, I guess I question a little bit, like, how much its presence is really going to be felt in those eight years. Yeah. But maybe you disagree. So there's, like, a lot of different ways you could slice that question. I think it's a really good question. And I think it is – you are right. 
totally that it's a fascinating time that things like chat gpt let's let's be really clear what we're talking about here with ai right that there's increasing access to a variety of um large language models chat gpt gpt3 is the, probably the most famous one chat gpt is a chatbot trained on that basic data set these are these enormous data sets that are trained and then kind of because of uh, these enormous data sets that are trained some of which are available kind of in an open source way that you can kind of build things on or around allow really powerful and increasingly like user-friendly ways to sort and analyze large amounts of information and whether that sorting and analyzing large amounts of information in the sense of like how does English as a language work and so can you give me a recipe for brownies <laughs> where most of the information processing there is how does English work and then it turns out if you can get a a complex computer system to know how that works asking it to find brownies or I don't know rewrite the Gettysburg Address in the style of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I've had a lot of fun doing, is pretty easy, or relatively easy. Or, like, more... Really, really biting my tongue right now to not do, like, a Anthony Kiedis impression of, the like, the first, like, line of the Gettysburg Address. Dude, it was terrible. It thought, for some reason, that every single Red Hot Chili Peppers song ended with the couplet... Red Hot Chili Peppers representing ain't nothing going to stop us now. And it wouldn't stop doing that. What? Okay, anyways. <laughs> or or just, um, you know, analyzing large amounts of data in kind of more structured ways. And so it is interesting that a lot of the attention, and it seems like the kind of um, usability of some of these technologies. I mean, my sense is, is is my job currently is kind of like tangentially connected to some of these communities. And my sense is that a lot of computer scientists and like machine learning experts are freaking out a little bit. Like that seemingly insolvable after seemingly insolvable problem is just like falling one after another to these, to these new techniques and that things are moving really, really quickly. And so I, I do think that this isn't like something that's been happening for a while. I think that this is like a real acceleration in technological process, progress, um, or at least technological capability. That's like really a marked difference in these spaces. You know, the same way that, I don't know, transistors happened after World War II, maybe, right? And all of a sudden you could put transistors in all kinds of stuff and technology changed. But it is really interesting that there's this, like, in terms of historical contingency, that you're right, that these new technologies are dropping at the moment when companies need to actually show a profit. So that, I think you're right. I think it will slow down some of this stuff. and Or it will just become, yeah, or it'll be, yeah, or maybe it will just become kind of like, unfortunately, what I think maybe the future holds, which is just sort of like all these new technologies suddenly don't have the funding to continue to make them like work smoothly and so what we just end up is in this like weird techno future of like dysfunctional technologies that we now can't like get rid of because they're here and they've like also you know completely upended like other markets like you know for example like you know uber and lyft like now there's no more taxis kind of vibe Sure. Um, and no, so, and like, I don't know. They could, it could just turn into something like that, where it's just like, it's really like kind of like what you're saying about the red, red hot chili peppers, Gettysburg's dress thing, where it just becomes 
like not great <laughs> and so nobody really knows like how to use it or what to do with it unless you have like a ton of funding to like continue to solve these problems as you mentioned yeah yeah i mean that might happen it also might happen just that it's not going to be ai everywhere it's gonna be ai in some places and i, I think it's worthwhile just to think through maybe like, in the club <laughs> <laughs> well like well first of all first of all saxon yes like if i was a dj yes. i'd AI be concerned. in the club no right like you could you could really like and that's why i think that this this company is doing what it's doing right like you could produce okay so you could produce club bangers maybe by ai and i think that that's that right they make playlist music they make lo-fi playlist music and they make uh what was it, edm playlist music you said the other one i forget and like yeah, like you could have an AI yeah, just like the, do lo-fi <laughs> hip-hop beats to chill, study to, and just have a computer make those for sure. But but I, I, I and, and let's be real, let's be real. Like we're talking, we're, we're we exist in a niche. Like just to just to make this point, like we exist in a niche. Like there is a market for that. There are people out there who want Absolutely. that and will listen to it. And and I, I think though, like before to to, to try to like rein in this first pass at a conversation that. I guarantee will continue going forward. It, it might be worthwhile to just think about like a couple different kinds of potential use cases or a couple different kinds of like levels of potential use case in some ways that like at different stages of futurity, just to like start wrapping our heads around what the introduction of these, these like techniques could do. Yeah. Hit it. One would be, one would be like, I would almost say like, like algorithm V algorithm, right? which is that there's a lot of algorithmically served content to us that we don't have the data to analyze its structures, right? That's from me being like, my For You page is not as good as it used to be on TikTok to an exec or an A&R person trying to find new artists through their For You pages. And you could imagine increasingly like, a company or companies, and I think this is likely to happen, company or companies that are like, we provide AI-generated consumer solutions. So like we can, as a creator, we can analyze, and certainly there's some companies that do this for creators. Like we analyze trends and can kind of try to get your video on them. But also you can imagine ones that are like, we are basically a machine learning that helps you to navigate these algorithmic apps better, right? That will interface in between TikTok and you, for example, so that you can make the for you page do what you want it to do better. And I yeah, think you that can basically tweak it. Kind like of... tweak it, like knob tweaks on it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. That, I mean that's like I feel like almost yeah, yeah, like yeah. probably the ideal world, right? I mean like <laughs> that's it functioning smooth. And that's it functioning in a way that's smooth. And you can imagine that happening not just for music, but all over the place, right? I could, you could, you could knock together pretty easily, like a add-on for I don't know, for Google Maps that. Yeah, no, it's just an ex- it's just an extension. It, yeah, know, it's like, just an extension of sure exists, but like only right, shows it's just an black extension of the ongoing trend that's been going. Or yeah, it's just an extension of the ongoing shows- trend that's been going on, which is like hyper individualization and like catering to like you know your specific individual needs, which has been going on for like the last like 10, 15 years. Yeah, but I think what's different is the ability to potentially have individuals have control over it. Right, exactly. Yeah, like you you actually like in, can, in can, knob, can knob tweak it a little bit 
stronger. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's one. Another is like that I think is is in in the playlist thing. This is a, a, maybe a more medium term. Is I do think, and it's interesting, right? Because for a lot of these things, and, and I think that the, one of the reasons it's really worthwhile thinking about music and AI is because music's had a really long history of being the first industry to get transformed by a variety of technologies. So if that holds true, I bet you it's going to happen here and it's going to happen here first before films, before a lot of things, it's going to happen with music. And so figuring out possibilities and figuring out um, trends, I think is really important. And one of the things I think is that going back to the, the kind of melon model of that company, I think that maybe that model is half right. Like I could imagine an expansive AI presence in the covers model of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, right? That just a huge amount of AI music that allows it to fit songs you know, allows it to fit moods, kind of the, the, the hypercharging of a whole bunch of kind of like playlisting approaches, right? To music, to music making. Probably with some combination of remixes of you know original rights holders so like remixes around i don't know like original vocals or sometimes i mean depends how good the the voice generation gets though it will probably get pretty good pretty quickly though we'll see if it can do high quality singing which is like famously hard but i don't think and this is like pretty out of pocket but i i I don't think the idea that melon is going to be a top-ranked star makes sense to me. That my gut is that for a lot of these things, you're going to get at least initially kind of more of the same in that you're going to get kind of hand-tooled, handmade, hyper high-quality stuff for a very elite set of artists, right? And then much cheaper, huge kind of de-skilled stuff or increasingly automated sector below it, right? Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. So I could imagine where, like, DJs or, like, huge sections of dance music, which is enormously popular, or, like, I don't know, jam bands. You can imagine, like, non-instrumental <laughs> jam band music being done by AI. You could. It could You could probably do it. Um, but, like, the Taylor, there's still being, like, an ever smaller number of Taylor Swifts of the world. right. And then finally, I mean, you could also imagine this is really like crystal ball-y, um, but it's maybe worth thinking through like whether this could happen or whether we'd want it to happen, is you could imagine it being a hyper-acceleration of the For You page where you're getting algorithmically crafted content that's literally being generated for you, right? Like not only would we be having different For You pages of recorded music out there, you could have it, I could imagine, you know, 120 years from now, right? Who knows? You and I could literally just have a constant stream of music generated specifically for us and our tastes. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Like, we're basically <laughs> the same model, but you like a little more cramps and I like a little more yeah. pavement or something. Um, and it just being the same way that some of the, the visual yeah. art generators function. And... I mean that's possible, yeah. I, and I think that, that that I think that's like a real market, and like I think that like people will want that, unfortunately. And I mean, obviously, like I push against it because I like the idea of uh, being an artist 
as something that it could someday in some utopic vision be an actual yeah livable existence <laughs> um and i don't want to just like leave it all up to the algorithms which is also complicated right because if you say that you want more cramps and i want or i want more cramps and you want more pavement then like you need to have those reference points so you still need like the human aspect of it but then at what point do you not um and i think that is one thing that just all this maybe to try to like take us out a little bit and to like really sort of like tie a bow on this like um i think that's one thing that that you know if i can do a big picture take is that i just worry about a sort of like ai generated monoculture like kind of developing around this and that like the the barriers even though like our imagine like as you know what it can do is really limited only by like the limits of our imagination is like a really idealistic way of putting it but like you just have to think at some point this stuff is just going to start to sort of eat itself almost i feel like in the way that say like instagram does where it what hits on instagram is like a very specific like style and aesthetic and if you have a video and if there's like a face in it and like that's what you get served and so then there's like this whole process in which like now that's what people post and then now that becomes like the dominant aesthetic of like photography and imagery like that you see out into the world and so like, that's kind of like my fear, you know, like I think there's a lot of good things that could happen here. And I think you're speaking all your examples are like very like idealistic, like provided that like the problems get solved with AI. And like, you know, this is like the ideal world of like in which like we're able to be served in every individualistic way and desire we want. But in a weird way, those individual desires are just going to be also dictated by the AI. Themselves. I mean, I don't think of that <laughs> so as an idealistic like world, actually. I think that it's. Well, I, I mean, mean, what I mean by the... I, no, 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 I don't think it's an idealist. Let me be clear here. Let me be clear. Here. Let me be clear here. Like, I don't think it's an idealistic world. No, just that, like, an, like AI working in it in a way in which, like, like best in a smooth operating way, mm. in which, like, is obviously benefiting, you know, the the tech companies and stuff. I just don't think. I just question whether or not it will actually ever get to that. Get point, smooth enough. At That's least really in interesting. The future. I mean, yeah. I also think that, yeah. like. That yeah. serving the hyper individualism. I mean, it's kind of you know that there's that that line about like. You know, in the twentieth century, the late in the late twentieth century, you know, there are two great anti-utopian novels, and like everyone thought that 1984 definitely had it as a vision for the future, and it turned out it was a brave new world the whole time. <laughs> like that's 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 our dystopia is a brave new world, not 1984. Um, at least in at least in the United States. And I do, I mean, I think that one of the dangers of this, and when you're saying kind of a monoculture, but it's like a hyper-individualized monoculture, is that, I mean, I think that at some fundamental level, human beings need community. Of course. I mean, that, yeah, of course. I think that a definition, a definition of the human that focuses on the individual is itself a historically contingent, constructed vision of humanity that I think has done a tremendous amount of damage. Um, that's like the classic critique of liberalism or whatever. And, you know, you could imagine that this is some of these techniques could really um, push culture in that direction even further. But like the question becomes that like, you know, when do we like gather around and create community over something that's AI, AI generated? I mean, we're already gathering community around like, you know, machine learning algorithmic um, content that's being served to us. It's interesting. It doesn't necessarily exclude that community, but I, I agree with you, obviously, like on a personal level, but yeah. 
And then, of course, you know, there's also the to go a completely different direction with this. We haven't even mentioned what it means for something like copyright, but uh, <laughs> we won't go down that level. We won't go. To- yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole other, other rabbit hole. Right. So, I mean, I do think maybe to, to tie a bow on this really quickly, because this is very much a topic that we're you know, even beginning to glance over. But just a couple of of, like, big things that I think we're going to be just, you know, that are going to start to shake out pretty quickly, maybe. And we're definitely going to come back to it. It's like one is rate of change, you know, that if these models, if this is how, if they run into plateaus, it'll be one story. And if they keep advancing as fast as they seem to be advancing, it'll be another. And so a lot of the like thinking about the future, like you're saying, Saxon, like, will this ever work smoothly? It's, it's like, I don't think we know, but like, we're gonna find out pretty quickly that's i mean two is like seems like ownership right like who owns these how accessible are they what you're gesturing towards about resources like some of these take a lot of like you know the the cloud is the place type vibes (laughs) that they take a lot of physical resources and so the question of like does that become prohibitively expensive and how or or rather how does the expense change who gets access to them like you were saying before and three, I do think, is copyright. Like, the music industry, a powerful part of multinational corporations that's based around intellectual property. And if anyone thinks they're going to allow AI to willy-nilly generate, if they think that willy-nilly they're going to allow AI to generate the fourth largest audio company out of nowhere based on their copyrighted material, uh, like, I've got... Uh, a lawsuit that I don't need to be a particularly good um, like soothsayer to say is coming for them. I've got Lucian Grange <laughs> getting on the phone right now yeah, from I've his got Malibu Lucian Grange home. on the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. Well, yeah, we just want to go ahead and at least touch on this um, to start because yeah, like because like you said, it's going to be something I think we're going to see more of in the future. Happy New Year to everyone! It's I mean, yeah. year of year of twenty twenty three, year of AI. Year of AI, maybe we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, music by Bird Language, and we'll catch you. Th- oh, please rate and review us. It helps spread the good word. Money for nothing, and we'll catch you in two weeks' time. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>